Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Sunday, August 21st. Of course, that daily moniker, not exactly truthful over the course of the past week. And once again, I find myself needing to apologize to all of you Cracked Rackets fans. Now, as I have alluded to in the past, the reason there have been fewer Mini Break podcasts over the past week is not because we've been taking a vacation. No, we've been just as busy as things have been in the tennis world at large. Of course, the front half of last week saw our Cracked Rackets team in Cincinnati, the site of the 2022 Western and Southern Open, and that 1,000-level event has delivered the goods. Certainly, we have a few surprise finalists in both the men's and women's singles draw. Borna Chorich back from injury, back into a Masters 1,000 final for the first time since, I believe, 2018. Of course, he's going to face Stefano Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas earning a rare victory over Daniil Medvedev on an outdoor hard court. In fact, Medvedev had beaten Tsitsipas in their last five outdoor hardcourt affairs. Now, as you listeners know, we have been scholars of the next-gen ATP movement really since our inception back in 2017. But to see Chorich Tsitsipas playing in a Masters 1000 final in the context of what their seasons have looked like, certainly not a result any of us would have seen coming. Of course, that's where things stand on the men's side. On the women's side, you've got two unseeded finalists for the first time in Cincinnati history. Of course, neither of these unseeded finalists, your typical unheralded, come out of nowhere sorts of runs. You've got Caroline Garcia, who has arguably been the hottest player on the WTA Tour since the start of the grass court season, the former world number four into the Masters 1000 final in Cincinnati. She has been spectacular, and that spectacular play included a three-set victory over Arena Sabalenka in the semifinals, of course, Garcia's going to face another power tennis-centric player next as she's going to take on Petra Kvitova. Kvitova reminding all of us tennis fans that when she plays her best, she can look as good, if not better, than any player on the WTA Tour. You hear me allude to it all the time. That Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club, that elite, elite power tennis, that regardless of what your opponent is doing, if you're a member of that elite power tennis club, simply put, life's going to be a little bit easier for you on court and the lefty Kvitova, a multi-time Grand Slam champion, reminding all of us that she's got the goods. And when she plays her best tennis, when she's moving freely around the court, she can compete with and quite frankly beat just about everyone out there on the WTA Tour. You've got two power-centric players in the women's final, Garcia versus Kvitova. That matchup hopefully going to happen on Sunday. Just depends if the rain ever stops in Ohio. Of course, I know there's plenty for us to catch up on from the past week of action in Cincinnati. We not only did not talk Medvedev Tsitsipas yet, we haven't talked Nori versus Alcaraz, arguably one of the five best matches of the ATP Tour season. Certainly there were plenty of other narratives that emerged on the women's side as well. That said, I just haven't quite had the chance to dive headfirst into the film from the past week of Cincinnati. As such, I owe to all of you listeners a further 
explainer, a further recapping of everything that happens at the Western and Southern Open as, of course, that action doing such an incredible job of previewing what should be a fun two weeks of action coming up in New York. The year's final Grand Slam beginning at the start of next week, of course. We already see players on social media descending upon New York to begin their practice schedules. We know qualifying for that event is going to get underway this week as well. And, of course, the action in Canada at that 1,000-level event two weeks ago, the action this past week in Cincinnati, about as good of a job as possible of previewing what we may expect in New York. By the way, I haven't forgotten. I still owe you recaps on the Carino Busta championship run in Canada. Simona Halep earning a signature title victory herself over in Montreal, excuse me, in Toronto. That said, that is not going to be the focus of today's podcast. Again, Cincinnati, Canada, U.S. Open thoughts. We're going to try to get all of those to you over the course of the next week. But I know this is a podcast medium. This is one of those instances where I would highly recommend to all of you listeners, head on over to our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Why do I make that recommendation? Because A, you're going to be able to see today's podcast on video as super producer Daniel Westoff and I are recording today's episode live from Jacob's Pavilion in Cleveland, Ohio, the site of this week's Tennis in the Land WTA 50 event. Our Cracked Rackets team so thrilled, honored to be able to play a part in this week's action. I'm going to be serving as the on-the-grounds MC, super producer Daniel Westoff, in his best role as the producer of all of the action that happens from the graphics, soundboard, the audio. We're going to be working it all. And again, why do we have these opportunities here at Cracked Rackets? Because all of you fans continue to tune in. All of you fans continue uh, to turn to us for your updates on everything happening in the tennis world. As such, we get to offer those updates now on-site and on-the-grounds. And if you are watching this on YouTube right now, you will see in the background just a gorgeous, gorgeous stadium. I truly don't believe there's any other like this. I'm going to use a word I hesitate to use. I believe this Jacobs Pavilion Center Court Stadium here at the Tennis in the Land event, it's unique. It truly is one of a kind. Of course, you've got the domed roof overhead that still offers an outdoor feel to this center court and as such plenty of fresh air breeze blowing through the court it's going to play like an outdoor court as well that said if it does rain as happens from time to time here in the midwest it's a very click clean uh, very quick excuse me clean up very easy to continue to facilitate matches and certainly throughout the course of the week we'll have updates for you on everything that's happening here in Cleveland hopefully we'll also have the opportunity to speak with some of the players competing in this week's event whether it be Barbara Krachikova, Ludmilla Samsonova. You've got Caroline Garcia allegedly playing this week's event, although given her run to the final of Cincinnati, that the likelihood of that, I should say, feels less and less likely with every passing moment. But some of the players we've already seen on court practicing, some of them you may see behind me if you're watching live. Barbara Krachikova, Katerina Sinyakova, I know Diana Yastremska is lined up to play Arena Camilla Begu. We'll get into a preview of the draw more broadly a little bit later on today's show. But on this mini break podcast, what I want to do for all of you listeners, recap a couple of things we've been up to here at Cracked Rackets over the past few days. Again, as I just alluded to, one part of that, we'll be talking about this week's Tennis in the Land event. The other part of this podcast, I want to recap where we were over the past few days. And those of you who follow our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel will already know the answer to that question. We 
had the opportunity to broadcast one of the week's exhibition events. It was the LS Pro Tennis Challenge happening in Reading, Pennsylvania at the beautiful M-Key Tennis Garden. And before I even get into who was playing, what we saw, have to give a massive thank you to Dr. and Mrs. M-Key who allowed me to refer to them as mom and dad whenever I am on site. The M-Key family, truly a gift to the tennis community, the court they've built in their backyard, their willingness to put in the resources, put in the time to sustain that court, make it just the perfect environment for the exhibition play we saw over the last three days. It's it's a one-of-a-kind event. I'm going to overuse that word, dare I say. It truly is unique and was phenomenal for us to have the opportunity to broadcast that action. Certainly the players competing in the event were exciting. You had top 75 guy in the world in 21-year-old Hugo Gaston. You had one of the rising stars on the junior circuit who, believe me, I've got a full breakdown for you all today about in 18-year-old Michael Zhang. You had the opportunity to see guys working their way back from injury, guys like a Samit Nagal, guys like a Ryan Harrison, and countless others just making the event worthwhile, making it such a fun two days of tennis. And what I want to do on this show is break down those two days of tennis. I had the opportunity to see a couple of players in close in person for the first time. And boy, do I have some thoughts on their play on all the action we saw unfold. So again, more broadly, I'm well aware. I owe you guys a Cincinnati recap podcast. At some point, we'll talk about those Canada finals as well. This week, I'm not going to lie, we're going to be on a bit of a time crunch. We're going to have to find time, and I owe it to you listeners. I'm going to provide U.S. Open preview content because that's what we do here at Crack Rackets. And if we're not preparing you for the year's final Grand Slam, we're not doing our job. That said, well, we have all 12 of the categories that we usually have. Maybe not. Might be a little bit tougher for us to break down all the Americans, all the dark horses, the contenders, the draws. That said, we'll try to do a little bit of each of that over the course of the next week. Try to do my best to not provide just solo material for all of you, but actually bring in our guests, bring in some of the fellow experts we see across the tennis world. Fellow experts, hey, great shot. A little humble brag there, calling myself an expert. Bring in some of the experts, is what I meant to say. The Gil Grosses of the world, the David Keynes of the world. Dare I say maybe we have a new Ben Rothenberg appearance coming up for all of you fans. Again, busy times right now in the tennis world. Busy times for us here at Crack Rackets. Nevertheless, we know it's our job to keep you all well informed, keep you the best educated fans in the business as such. Again, just coming up over the course of the next week, more Cincinnati talk for all of you. We'll get into our U.S. Open preview. We'll talk, of course, about this week's action in Cleveland as well as on the men's side over in Winston-Salem. But again, Focus of today's podcast, recapping the LS Pro Tennis Challenge, previewing this week's action happening in Cleveland. Of course, the reason we're able to do all of that day in, day out here is because of the support we get from all of you listeners. And again, we remain immensely grateful that so many of you choose to turn to us for updates on everything happening across levels in the tennis world. That's why even when we're on the road, even when we're busy, we know it's our job to keep you the most well-informed, best educated fans in the business. We will are determined, I should say, to continue to do that, and we will do our best to do so over the course of the next week. So thank you to all of you that continue to tune in. Thank you, of course, to our friends at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 to find all of the greatest equipments at all of the best prices. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, let's get into it. And I want to start with the LS Pro Tennis Challenge we saw over the course of the past two days. For those of you who 
perhaps were locked in to the Cincinnati action, didn't quite have time to tune into our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel, tune into any of the LS action. A, I've got good news for you. All of that action available on replay on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. You can watch all eight matches we saw unfold, or nine matches, excuse me, we saw unfold over the course of the two days. But B, I want to talk about the LS Pro Tennis Challenge, talk about the guys I saw competing, why I feel pretty good about each of them as they continue on through their 2020 pro tennis season. And the guy we got to start with is Michael Zhang, the 18-year-old American and incoming freshman at Columbia University. Of course, Zhang reached the Junior Wimbledon Boys Finals this season and also was a quarterfinalist at this year's Kalamazoo. And, you know, given the comparisons for the 2022 Kalamazoo field, and I know I say that pejoratively, Kalamazoo, of course, alluding to the USDA Boys 18s National Championships that happen in Kalamazoo, Michigan. That event always brings in the best of the best in the U.S. junior tennis world. And, you know, you look at the depth of this year's field, players like Martin Dom, who has a Futures title, Ethan Quinn, who has a Futures title, Lerner Chen, obviously, has played incredible tennis over the past year and ultimately ends up as the winner. And by the way, another podcast I know we owe you recaps of Kalamazoo of San Diego with the GOAT Colette Lewis. Believe me, there's a big queue of things we'd like to get to here at Cracked Rack. It's going to be a busy week. Sleep is going to be minimal. For us, as again, we try to do our job here, quite a privilege to talk all things tennis. That said, getting back to Michael Zhang. Again, currently, I believe, number 24, 23, junior in the world, and that's without any of the points offered from Junior Wimbledon, as Wimbledon didn't offer points at any of the levels this season. Again, won his, or reached his first, excuse me, Futures final, I want to say back in April in Orange Park, Florida, earlier this season, and just, I mean... Watching Michael Zhang play, all that comes to my mind is thinking about the depth in the professional tennis world. Watching a guy like Michael Zhang and thinking to myself, how is this guy not the number one prospect? How can someone who has such few holes in his game so early in his career, so much more growth for upside physically and in developing his weapons, becoming just a better tennis player moving forward, how are there 23 better juniors in the world than this guy? How are there any, eight? you know, again, you look at the Carlos Alcarezes of the world, and I know I mentioned this in Cincinnati watching all of the pros play. I, I can't help but think to myself, how do any of you lose matches? You're all so exceptional at striking tennis balls. And it remains a mystery to me because, again, you watch a kid like Michael Zhang play. He doesn't look like an 18-year-old out on court. He looks like a 25-year-old. He looks like a 26-year-old. Just so smooth, so f fluid. So exceptional at everything he does on court. And I think the first thing that comes to mind when breaking down the 18-year-old Zhang's game is there's just not a weakness for him at any portion of the sport, whether it be his movement. Is he elite as a mover? Is he going to be a Tommy Paul, Alex Diemenauer, Francis Tiafo-type athlete at his peak? No, he doesn't have that sort of an elite first step, but... Is he ever going to be a bad mover on the ATP Tour? Absolutely not. I, I think he's a better mover than the Taylor Fritzes of the world, even if he's a little bit lower than the Tommy Pauls. I think about the Brandon Nakashimas and the Sebastian Cordas, the young guys who, again, they don't have that explosive first step. It's not 
you know, slap you in the face sorts of athleticism. But athleticism is never going to be the issue for them in their careers. That's where I'd start with Michael Zhang. I'd also move on to the fact that he does have some weapons in their primitive stages. You look at his serve, the kick on that ball in particular, his ability to hit the kick wide on the ad side. It just opens up space for him to attack with his plus one forehand. And that forehand, folks, it's special. And I was once speaking with Bjorn Fortangelo, coincidentally in Cleveland. Now, it was at the Cleveland Challenger a couple of years ago, but he was describing former University of Illinois, now top 300 player in the world, Alexander Kovacevic's game to me and describing how the way Alexander Kovacevic hit the on-the-run forehand cross, it's just a special thing uh, that Kovacevic was, uh, excuse me, that Michael Zhang was able to do. And so, again, his ability to move that forehand, uh, or that Kovacevic was able to do. And so, you know, watching Zhang hit that cross-court forehand, watching him hit that on-the-run, uh, it, it was impressive. It was incredible. And so, again, to watch him be able to draw that ball cross court to be watching be able to move the ball around the court super super impressive from Michael Zhang and again ultimately allows him to reach the finals of this LS Pro Tennis Challenge and you look for Zhang who you know really never played that many top 500 players in his career he had the opportunity over this past week to compete against multiple top 100 players whether it be Hugo Gaston who ultimately finds himself you know, a three-set loss to a top 100 player in Gaston, but he was up a set, and he was up, you know, 6-2, and ultimately in a third-set breaker. Just his forehand held up, his ability to move that ball around the court special, his ability to drive the backhand through the court equally special, and just, you know, that backhand's more than a placeholder, even if he says he's going to continue to work on it. He's comfortable as a volleyer, comfortable moving forward into the court, into the net. There's just, again, a bunch of things that... Uh, Michael Zhang does that you're just encouraged about moving forward because the guy's paper thin and he still has a boy's body and once Howard Endelman at Columbia that Columbia coaching staff get their hands on him when he puts on 5, 10, 15 pounds of muscle you know able to have a little bit more girth behind that forehand which is already so heavy and you know again extraordinarily impressive again I like the drive on his backhand his willingness to go down the line he's you know, he says, I'm trying to work on moving forward, trying to bring that mentality into my game. You can see that manifest itself on court. He is a comfortable volleyer. Even if it's not a great volleyer, you do think about the early stages of a guy like a Brandon Nakashima or a Sebi Korda aren't great volleyers, but know precisely what they're doing. I mean, they're both great. And Michael Zhang has those skills. If he gets his hands on the return of serve, that return is going in. Now, I'd like to see him get more aggressive on the second serve return, but that's a nuanced thing. The point is, Michael Zhang, 18 years old, he's not even the Nakashimas, the Kordas, the Brooksbys, the elite of the elite young prospects in American men's tennis. And yet watching him this weekend and maybe after his junior Wimbledon boys singles run to the final, he should be. But boy, was I impressed by Michael Zhang, who again, ultimately a finalist, but knocked out by 25-year-old Samit Nagal. And of course, Nagal, former career high, number 122. He's a guy we've seen compete at the ATP level, even if at 4-17, and 17, he hasn't had that much success. But boy, watching Nagal, who's coming back from a hip injury, his ability to drive his forehand through the court. His forehand was the most consistent and the most effective weapon throughout the course of the weekend. And again, watching Nagal play, does he have the biggest size, uh, the most size? No. Does he have the biggest serve? No. But guy's just a scrapper. Guy's going to grind you. There's a reason he's got multiple challenger titles. If you don't have a weapon to hurt him with, if you don't have the discipline and the physicality to last with him for three hours, he's just going to beat you. And to see him 
already returned to this level of play following hip replacement surgery at 25. I mean, come on now. Nagal's forehand was special. Uh, yes, the serve sits up, particularly on a hard court, and the best of the best returners are going to make him pay for that fact. But again, you're talking about the floor for Samit Nagal moving forward. If he's healthy, he's going to be top 200 because the, the physicality, the forehand, it's just immense. You know, quickly going through the rest of the field here, Ryan Harrison working his way back from injury. You could tell there are some things he still needs to return to rhythm on in particular. His plus one forehand was bad. He will be the first one to tell you his plus one forehand was bad throughout the course of the weekend. If you could get depth to that ball, he was going to provide a shank winner or a shank error or just leave that ball short for you to attack. thought he moved really well in and out of the outer thirds of the court. I thought the backhand looked good as well. I thought he looked comfortable as a volleyer. First serve percentage was miserable. In two of his three matches, I think it was under 50%, and you could tell him getting frustrated with that serve kind of leaked into some of the other parts of his game. But... Look, he's still Ryan freaking Harrison, an incredible competitor, and I'm very much looking forward to all of you listeners hearing my conversation with him because if you spend five minutes with Ryan Harrison, you're just going to be immensely smarter about tennis. And look, has he been a prickly personality throughout the course of his career? Absolutely. Has he also matured in the past three years now, 30 years old, and just a wealth of wisdom, experiences to reflect upon, offer to people? He has those things now. And the maturity he's shown, his willingness to be open about some of the things he struggled with. Ryan Harrison's going to be a hell of a coach one day. And obviously, he comes from a coaching family. His dad's been the guy at IMG for about three decades now. But man, was it a pleasure to spend time with Ryan Harrison. And then just to quickly wrap things, Jonas Ferretek, the former world junior number one, junior U.S. Open champion. His forehand's top 100 good top 50 good even. When he drives that ball through the court, you just lose. And when he's on his front foot, when he's able to be the aggressor, able to move in behind that ball. I mean, he beat Hugo Gaston 4-4. Four and four. There were only two breaks of serve in the match. Hugo was broken once in the first set, once in the second set. And that just shows when Ferretex on his front foot dictating again. He does have the weapons, in my opinion, regardless of level, to play on his term. Want to see a little bit more drive in the backhand. Needs to become a more comfortable volleyer. Obviously needs to land more first serves, but you could say that about everyone. That said, for a former World Junior number one, I'm all in on him. And then, you know, again, our final two guys, Nick Bible, close friend to us here at Crack Rackets. He's been hitting with Oliver Crawford. He's been on the futures grind. Uh, just a great guy. It was really fun to get the chance to spend some time with him. And I'll say this, forehand looked better. The backhand's able to hang with all of the players that were there this weekend. If that forehand just, you know, it's a little bit big, produces more errors perhaps than your normal ground stroke. But I thought he was great. And last but certainly not least, I'm pretty sure Hugo Gaston and I are now friends. And I don't say that lightly, but Gaston and I probably spent six hours with one another over the course of the past three days. And I'm not trying to be weird, but he's just the man. Like, I'm a this podcast, we don't, we aren't fans of any particular player because we're unbiased. And as members of the media, we want to be able to view things objectively. Ugo's just the guy. I mean, so easygoing, relaxed, funny. You watch him play. Everything's just so easy for him, whether it be, again, the drop shots, the feel around the court, the movement. There are times when he slides on a hard court. My entire groin would be ripped out of my body if I tried to move the way Ugo Gaston does. And yet, despite his size, good pop on the serve. Moves the ball really well around the court. Again, a comfortable volleyer moving forward. Now, again, is that serve going to get attacked against the best of the best in the world? Absolutely. But his ability to problem solve, his ability to change direction on the forehand, it was exceptional. 
And so, again, all six of our players, I think there's still upside to be tapped into all of them. And certainly, again, immensely impressed uh, by Ugo Gaston. It was really fun to get the chance to hang out with him. Hopefully, we'll have the chance to see him more, speak with him more. We got to speak with all of our players, and you'll get the chance to hear those on the Cracked Interviews podcast this week. But again, as I look at the LS Tennis Challenge, I'm in on Michael Zhang, buying all of the stock, although... He's going to Columbia. I think he's team academics right now over team tennis. We'll see if that changes, if his tennis continues to improve. And by the way, Columbia's going to be really good this year. That's a story for another time. But Gaston got the skills. Harrison, if he can get healthy, we'll see what happens. Freytek's going to be top 100. It's when, not if. The weapons are there once the consistency, the mentality, the focus clicks for him as well. Again, you just can't fake the plan A, but it was a really fun uh, few days of action over in Pennsylvania. And certainly, again, go check out our Crack Records YouTube channel. You can watch all of the matches. Go watch the replays, of course. You can go watch our Media Day interviews with each of our players on there as well. All of those interviews are going to be offered as Cracked Interviews podcast for all of you over the course of the next few days. With that said, I'm getting a signal from Super Producer Daniel Westoff that says it's time to cut. So what I'm going to have to do a little bit later in the day is come back, talk about Cleveland, talk about Cincinnati, talk about Canada, get into our U.S. Open preview. We are well aware we're a bit behind here at Crack Records, but we're going to play catch-up. As we know, it's our job to make you the most well-informed, best-educated fans in the business. Shout-out, as always, by the way, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff. He's on the road. He's driving all the time, yet he's still finding time to edit this product, get it all to you. He is the best in the business and has a heck, heck of a job to do today. Shout out as well to our friends at Tennis Point for their support, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, we'll be here all week long. Jacob's Pavilion in Cleveland. If you're in the area, come say hello. But for now, for our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Mini Break, and you know what we say. That's the break. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>